I'm Kier from Gallifrey Public Radio, a Doctor Who fandom podcast and part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows in the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Happy Canada Day, and welcome to episode 189 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we help you build your resume. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we get confused about Boss Jock Studio, Junior, and Backpack Studio. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we ask you about cleaning your equipment, and Stephen has a semi-related personal experience story. Lauren, start the show now. We've got an important day to celebrate, and to that, I say happy 4th of July. Welcome to Better Podcasting, a show where we talk about podcast tips, tools, and best practices to help you succeed with your podcast. What makes us different? Well, just like you, we podcast purely out of the love and fun of it. Podcasting is our hobby, and we recognize that it's yours too. We always encourage your questions and feedback, and you can find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com. Here's your host for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to an all-new episode of Better Podcasting. This is episode 188, and I am pleased to say that my American co-host, Stargate Pioneer, is here this week. America! Hey, this is the great week that both Canada and the United States have, quote-unquote, birthdays. <laughs> I, I put that in quotes because Canada is still part of the Commonwealth. We all know this. If you go to any government office in Canada, you will see a picture of the Queen on the wall in the back. It's just the way things are. I'm actually obligated to have one up every week in front of me when I podcast. You can't see it, but uh, it's a legal requirement if you're a Canadian podcaster. God bless the queen. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> But this is the week that everything goes great for both countries and we get to take some time off and celebrate. And to that end, we had some schedule changes going on, but we're still getting an episode out. That's how committed we are to you. And how committed we are to you is also as committed as you are to us, because one thing that we ask you, our listeners, to do is send in a how I saved my podcast story. Now, what this is, is anything that you have done to save your podcast could be a small thing, could be a big thing. But this is how we learn jointly, collaboratively. We tell each other our mistakes. So hopefully we'll remember them when we are doing our own shows so that we won't repeat the mistakes. Unfortunately, both Stephen and I have repeated those mistakes over and over again, but we do try to get our experiences out so that we can help you. And this week, a great, well, I don't even know if we can call this person a listener because, well, he's the best host on the show. That's true. Let's go ahead and turn it over to one of the two best hosts on the show because they tie evenly. We need to make sure we say that. Th that's fair enough. That is none other than Jason Bryant. Greetings, loyal Better Podcasting listeners. Tis I, Jason Bryant, the co-host of the most listened to episode of Better Podcasting in all of 2018. One day, Emily Prokop and I will come in and take over our rightful place in the chairs of SP and the Canadian who I shall not mention, even though he's celebrating Canada Day recently. So, or as we in the U.S. call it, Monday. Now, why am I chiming in here when it's not my turn to sit in the chair and just drive downloads upward? Well, it's because I have a How I Save My Podcast story. So, 
as I'm recording this using OBS, I have a new machine and I'm playing around using some video. So I was going to do a Facebook Live. Now, here is that clip and exactly how I screwed it up. You can see it naturally. So that's how I save my podcast by using the recording here <laughs> and not hitting record on audition. So here is that clip as it happened live. I did this on Facebook Live. So hope you guys enjoy. It's better, better podcasting for life. All right, folks, going to do a little video here on how I record the track wrestling countdown to Nurse Sultan. I actually have not read this yet. So what I'm going to do is I'm recording here through OBS. As you can see, these, these, so track wrestling is putting these things out, typically Kyle Klingman. So I'm going to read over it real quick and 81 days to Nurse Sultan. So this is how I record this. You'll get a live look. David feature. Okay, not everything is uh, going to be verbatim. So, you ready to roll? All right, here we go. Do a little hack, hack. Mm -hmm. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. So here's how I record a countdown to Nurse Sultan. Eighty-one days to Nurse Sultan of the 2019. See, screwed up right there. I didn't like the 2000. I, I ran off there, so that would be cut out. 81 days to the World Championships in Nur Sultan, Kazakhstan. Today, we feature the Russian Federation's Ahmed Gazamagomedov, ranked number three at the world in men's freestyle at 79 kilos. If you take out the 13-0 loss to Kyle Dake in the semifinals of last year's World Championships, Gazamagomedov outscored his opponents by a combined 27-2 on his way to a bronze medal. He's a takedown artist who likes to use an underhook or a two-on-one to set up his offense. The 29-year-old won't shoot much late in matches if he has a lead, which makes him a difficult opponent to knock off since he's solid defensively. Godzimagomedov benefited when UWW added two additional weight classes for the 2018 season. He wrestled at 74 kilos prior to 2018 and did not qualify for a world championship at any level, although he's a five-time Uregan champion. The Russian star took advantage of this opportunity at 79 kilos by earning a bronze at the 2018 World Championships in Budapest. Godzimagomedov won every tournament he entered prior to the Worlds, including a title at the prestigious Ivan Uregan Grand Prix, where he beat Kyle Dake in the finals, one of his five Uregan titles, as mentioned earlier. Already in 2019, Godzimagomedov has placed second at the European Championships in April, but he suffered an apparent knee injury in the semifinals and did not wrestle in the finals. That's how I do it. So, you hear a couple flubs in there. You know, it would have helped if I hit record. That's why I get to use the audio here. Well, I did not hit record on edition, but I hit record here, saving me. And that's how I save my podcast, too. I'm going to send that to better podcasting, so that's how we do it. So there you have it, folks. You got soup to nuts, how I went to show off how good I was at a voiceover and do a one-take podcast on a two-minute episode, and I flubbed it. So... That also ought to be a lesson that every time you screw up, you must be thinking better podcasting and how I save my podcast because as I was screwing up, that is exactly what I was thinking. I'm Jason Bryan from Matt Talk Online, humbly defeated in front of all of you. Good day, except for you, Steven. Jason, I have to say, I'm going to completely disregard the fact that you made some negative comments because honestly, I'm just going to take great comfort in the fact that my, myself, and everything that I do has penetrated your mind. And I've done that because, yes, the first thing that you thought of when you screwed up was me. 
and better podcasting. So I'm going to take take great pride in the fact that as you screwed up, you thought of us. Yes, for those of you who didn't have a chance to check this out, because I actually saw this when he posted this to Facebook, and it's, he really did, without missing a beat, start promoing us. This whole clip was only like three and a half minutes long, and yes, we did cut it up a little bit for this show. But the thing is, without missing a beat, a beat he makes a mistake, and he goes, that's how I said my podcast, just like you saw on there, and then promote us. So thank you very, very much for sending that in to us, Jason, because really, it just shows me that I have saturated your mind and that whenever ever you're going to make a mistake or you're going to do something wrong, you're going to think of your Canadian friend here, Stephen. Well, Jason, it's important just to have any backup. So I'm glad you had a backup. Both Stephen and I have used some kind of not so great backups in the past, but any recording is better than no recording. So thank you very much for sending that in too, Jason. That took a lot of guts to admit that you were wrong, admit defeat, and then to send it on into better podcasting so we can all win. See, that's your win is everybody learns. That's your win. It is. And it also, again, shows that Jason thinks of me all the time and a little bit of you too, SB. If you have a How I Save My podcast story of your own, please send it in through any of the ways we would love if you would send us a video clip because yes, we do have a video and audio version of this show, which you can find at betterpodcasting.com slash 188. If you want to check those out, we would love to have a video clip so that our video viewers can see your shining mugs and uh, put Jason Bryant to shame. I mean, just go along with Jason Bryant there because Jason, we appreciate you sending in that clip. The fact that you're thinking of me. Let's go ahead and move on to our featured segment. If you've ever applied for a job before, the odds are that there's something that you're familiar with. It's called a resume. So while a resume is something that people think of when it comes to employment, have you ever considered that perhaps you want to build up your podcast resume? Today, we're going to talk about just that, building your podcast resume. Now, it's important to note before we continue that we're not talking about building your podcast history. Instead, we're talking about essentially the idea of showcasing your podcast work in some manner, essentially creating a way that you can help highlight some parts of your history. Now, you might be saying to yourself, why do I need this? What are the benefits to this? So let's start off by talking about some of these benefits and the reasons you might want to go and bark up this tree. Let's start with something that we've said many times before on the show and how it applies to this topic. And it's the fact that podcasting is quickly becoming crowded and some argue already overcrowded. Anyone who has had a chance to sample a variety of different podcasts out there will have likely at one point or another heard that there is a variety of quality offered by different podcasts. And unfortunately, sometimes that quality is not that professional. To be honest, some some people will hear the term I'm a podcaster and really not think much about it. The term doesn't really carry much weight to them because potentially they may have heard a lot of these lesser quality podcasts. And if you say, hey, I'm a podcaster, they might just think that you're that person who's recording on their crummy laptop audio 
over beers, banging the desk, rambling about all sorts of funny jokes that they had that day without actually telling jokes. Essentially, picture you as one of those people, even though that might not be you. And this can be a problem if you're trying to land something for your show, for example, a guest. If they hear you say, I'm a podcaster, and those are the ways that they associate you, then that might end up not getting you anywhere if you're trying to get said guest. So how do you distinguish yourself from this drunk ramble cast? Well, a podcast resume can help with that. Because a podcast resume, if done right, can show your seriousness to the craft, can show your longevity if you've been doing it for a while, and just your overall commitment to podcasting. It can show them, and people who might be checking you out, that you're not just that person starting out for the first time and you're going to pod fade in no time. Because that happens with a lot of podcasters. They start, they do a couple episodes, and they fade off. A podcast resume can help show that you've been doing this for a while and have some experience and can also provide people an easy way to access and sample your work that you've done. Another way that a podcast resume can help you is because you never know when you need to refer back to your work. For example, perhaps one day you see a job that you may want to apply for that you can actually use some or all of your podcast history for to help you be considered. Having that podcast resume in place already saves you from having to spend countless hours trying to find your podcast history. And I've actually done this before and not using it on a resume, but actually assembled my podcast history before into a resume. And it takes a significant amount of time if you have not done it already. The next benefit we want to talk about is that you can also help build your audience by having a podcast resume. Wait, what? That sounds a little crazy. Okay. So the reality is that a potential listener isn't going to select your particular show by checking your credentials. It's not a job that you're applying for to be their personal podcaster. But the thing is, if you have one place that lists all your work, not only does this add a little more into the search engines for the search engine optimization, but it also gives people a place that they can go to easily find all your work. As we've said before, listeners tend to like the hosts that they listen to. So they may want to check out all of your other work if they find you on one particular podcast. Having that podcast resume available for people to view and search can allow them to do this very easily. And the last benefit that we want to highlight here is truthfully a little bit selfish, but we do encourage you to be selfish sometimes as long as you're doing that right and not being arrogant. And that's the fact that your podcast resume can help you feel good about what you've accomplished in your podcasting endeavors. As a hobby podcaster, you spend countless hours on each episode and you do this just out of the passion of podcasting. And sometimes, because of how busy podcasting can be, it can be hard for you to really sit back, take a step back, and see what you've accomplished. Having this resume in one place allows you to take a few selfish minutes to yourself to really add to and see what you've done during your podcast endeavors. It allows you to see what you've accomplished in one place. This can also allow you to see some of the people that you might have influenced if you do your podcast resume a certain way. For example, if you've been invited to guest on a bunch of shows, well, we'll talk about that in a minute because your podcast resume may have that on there. 
and that'll allow you a place just to go and go, look, wow, I've done a lot of guest appearances and I was invited on every single one of these. I can't believe the sort of impact that I've had on these people. So again, it's a little bit selfish, but that's okay because you got to keep your gas in the tank. And sometimes that does mean taking a few minutes so that you can satisfy yourself. Or maybe just celebrate the fact that you've been asked on a lot of podcasts for interviews. All right. What should be on that resume? Now that we've talked about some of the reasons you may want to have a podcast resume, the question remains, what is good to be a part of that podcast resume? What do you want on the podcast resume? First, we think that unless it's actually being used in the sense of a specific need, like, for example, applying for a job or being requested by somebody, a podcast resume is best designed by considering the general public, John Q. Public. One of the better ways that we can think of to achieve that is by dedicated web space specifically to do this. The reason why is because some forms of online navigation is going to be the most enticing for people to actually go and check out rather than having to sift through piles and piles of information. So if they can easily navigate your resume by clicking on links, they may actually take in the content. A little interaction keeps the people engaged. So when you're designing it, you might want to make sure that it's not too daunting for people to actually look at. If you can build it so that there's a general overview and an in-depth list, but not too in-depth, we'll get that in a second, it can be the best of both. For example, if you're going to do a whole website, you may want to have a list of all the episodes that you've guessed it on before, but then also have just a snapshot of your key projects and perhaps a section that says previously guessed on and then list those projects. Get, this gives the people the best of both worlds. We encourage you to list your project name, have its artwork, and have a brief description of what it is. You want to make sure that people can understand what it is that your podcast is about, that you're guesting on, and or that you've actually accomplished. And we also think that on a podcast resume, you should limit the amount of detail. Save that for the main site. That's what I've been getting at for the last couple of minutes here. For example, a podcast resume is not the place to list all of your different subscribe links, every single show note, etc. It's just not the place to do it. All they're looking for is a list of everything that you've shown up on. You should try to direct people towards your main site if they want that sort of information about the show notes or the subscribe links. However, we should note that if you're building a personal website like StargatePioneer.com, you could potentially have a section that does list all these details, but it might be more of an episode archive instead of a resume. But you also should definitely make sure to give people a path that they can easily navigate to find all of this information. Now, that can sometimes be a link, like SP said, directing people towards the site, or it could be an image, find it at whatever. But just make sure there's a way that people can easily track down that information should they want that. You should, though, on your resume, make sure that you have easily accessible your contact information. As we mentioned, someone may be checking this out potentially for your gain, and it's worth making sure that you make that easy for them to contact you. If it's hard for them to find out how to reach you, they might just move on to the next person, especially if it's somebody that finds you through searching and maybe it's some offer that they're wanting to work with you on. 
definitely make it easy for them to find your contact information. We also think that it's important that you're a little bit prepared as you build this to toot your own horn on your podcast resume. Now, this is important because a lot of podcasters that we've talked to are a little shy about that and they don't want to do that. But the reality is, when you think about what a resume, think of it from a perspective of a job. What is a resume there? It's there to show your experience and highlight why you're good. And that's the same thing with a podcast resume to a degree. If you've had noteworthy episodes with a project, you might want to find a way to make this a highlight on your resume. For example, maybe you had a high-profile guest appearance over the run of your podcast. You might want to make sure that stands out. Maybe you broke some really important news within your industry. Highlight that. And maybe you're somebody who has been able to win some form of award to do with your podcast, or if you're associated with an organization, that organization. A good example of this would be a storytelling podcast that maybe did uh, a series of stories within the storytelling and one of the stories won an award. They might go ahead and want to highlight that that story was award winning. Don't be afraid to highlight the achievements of your show because, again, it's a resume. And so it is something that you don't want to be afraid to toot your own horn. If you don't happen to think of any big standout moments for you or your podcast, that's okay. You should still toot to your own horn with the scriptures. Use enticing but not misleading language to help showcase your fine work that you are doing. Lastly, just want to note, be careful not to place media kit information in your podcast resume, such as download numbers, revenue generated, or countries reached. This information is better off staying in a media kit and not necessarily in your podcasting resume. So just keep those separate. If you happen to have a media kit and you happen to have a podcast resume, it's not the same information. It is different information. A media kit is more about your show. Your podcast resume is more about you. So SP, let me ask you this. Now that I've gone and I've made stevenjondrew.com and i am got my resume together on there, how am I going to leverage my resume? Well, now that you got one and you're trying to leverage it, let's talk about exactly that. First, share it with your podcast buddies and your podcast mentor. We've talked about that long in the past on Better Podcasting. If you don't have a podcast buddy or a podcast mentor, go find one. It will make your podcasting life a lot easier in the long term. So why do you want to share it with them? Because they'll probably tell you what is good and quite frankly, what sucks. So your podcast resume is supposed to help showcase your talents. And if there is an issue, don't you want to know about it? It can help make sure that when you really need to shine, you shine. So think of this as basically somebody coming in and proofreading your podcast resume. And hopefully you do do have some podcast buddies or mentors that you do feel comfortable with. And, you know, we've said it before. We do try to help people out as well. And so if you're, you know, don't have that and you're looking for someone to look something over, feel free to send it our way. Uh, You know, We never claim to be experts, but we are people who are happy to give our opinion as we navigate through and uh, might not always be right away, but you're always welcome to send that to us and ask our opinion. We do that for people with different projects from time to time. Next, the thing that you want to do is look for the opportunity where you can use this resume naturally. A good example of this would be that for a while I have been in our show notes, both here and on the officialgunnageek.com show, I've been putting a link to stephenjohndrew.com, or as it is now, stephenjohndrew.ca. 
do I really expect people though to go and be like, oh, let's go find this. Let's go show notes and click it. No, I don't. But I do recognize that sometimes people will be looking through that page and they may end up at that point, just happen to check it out at that point. So if it's not there, people can't find it. Now, full disclosure, if you're going to go take a look at that, I do recognize that there is a few things that need to be tweaked a little bit. And, you know, some things that we've mentioned today may be added. So it's it's in the works, but a lot of things are in the works for me. <laughs> Perpetual. Yeah. So as you're thinking about your podcast resume, just get in the habit of updating it as it actually occurs. For example, if you have a guest appearance, get it updated quickly as soon as that podcast is published. And if you have some sort of draft mode, definitely put it in a draft mode before it is published. And it just really sucks to have to go back and find all your previous episodes and backfill. You'll likely fall out of touch with it, the actual podcast resume, not necessarily the podcast you guessed it on, if you have to go back and do this. I'll give you a personal example. I have thrown together a document and I have documented the number of times that I have appeared on another podcast. What I didn't do originally was I didn't put the actual episodes on. So I had to go back and find in their RSS feeds, which episodes that I guessed it on. It's a pain. And if I would have done that along the way, it would have been really easy. Now, if you happen to be running multiple podcasts, Find a way to mention your resume from time to time. Heck, you could even make it part of your intro or your outro, your sign on, your sign off, et cetera, et cetera. It's just routine. For example, you could check out all of my podcasts and what I'm working on at yourwebsite.com. And if you don't tell your listeners about it, they might not see it. So mentioning it will at least put it in their minds to go ahead and check it out. And then Look for places that you can link your podcast resume website to. For example, can you update your descriptions on your social media link and put a link to it? I know a lot of people do their personalwebsite.com on the personal website. You might have personalwebsite.com slash appearances or something right that, like that to be able to direct people to it. And think about your email signature. Like if you're at work, you tend to have, you tend to build that huge email signature over time. There's a big debate on how big or how small to make those, but yeah, you can throw that link in there as well. Your podcast email, you can throw that in your signature link. If you happen to have a business card, probably should have a business card. I don't know how really effective they are in the long run, but it's always great to have one to give it out. You never know when that is going to convert into not only a subscriber, if you happen to be, have a Patreon, you know, a supporter or perhaps somebody that ends up working on your show, like your brother <laughs> has worked on shows like that before. And there's just a variety of places that you can send that website link to. And finally, we have a few miscellaneous points regarding podcast resumes that we want to mention. And first off, it's that you should keep in mind that if you're going to be listing all of your appearances in one place, you're now going to be giving people an easy way to find these episodes. So we're talking about like if you go and you list all of your guest appearances. As such, this means that you should really pay attention to presenting yourself as you want to be seen. Yes, this is something that we've mentioned before that we think you should always do when you're making guest appearances. But it's worth keeping in mind that if you go on a show that maybe is a little bit looser format than how you usually present yourself and you kind of get involved with that, 
that now on your resume, if you're highlighting that, you're giving people this easy way to find the episode. It makes it a lot more apparent versus them having to go seek it out on the internet and come across it that way. Also, keep in mind that your resume of choice may not be the only thing you want to keep up with. For example, what do we keep hearing, SP? We keep hearing people build themselves as the what? Netflix of podcasting. Well, also the IMDB of podcasting. Oh, we, we get okay. both of those all the time. It seems like those are the two buzz phrases right now. And yes, we do see that come up. I don't know. I think it's like twice a year, three times a year, we end up getting sent something to our email saying, we're now the IMDB of podcasting. These sites are constantly emerging. And depending on how these sites are taking off, you may want to consider also using that as your resume, especially if they make it easy to use. One example of this is that last year, SP and I both went and we sort of backfilled as much as we could because there was a couple technical issues on a site called Podchaser. We both did this because we saw Podchaser being highlighted by a lot of different people and a lot of different companies. And it's like, okay, this might be time to take a few minutes. And I don't know, we each spent like half a day kind of going through and figuring it out. Plus, it was a good education tool for us. But we did that in addition because of the fact that Podchaser doesn't actually contain all of the past work that we've done. Because in some cases, the, the uh, episodes that we did weren't easily found on Podchaser. And there were a couple situations where even our own shows didn't have the full index in it, even though the RSS feed was completely valid. So again, those were those technical issues. So keep that in mind if you're going to use a service like that, that it may not cover all of the different areas that you want to cover with a podcast resume. And that is an example with Podchaser that SP and I both experienced. Yeah, and if you have an experience of creating a podcast resume, we would love to hear about what you've done and where you've put it and what your experience was building it. And you can get that to us on podcast at betterpodcasting.com. That's our email. You can tweet us at betterpod. You can also catch us on our Discord server. That's betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. And then I guess you can get a hold of Steven on Facebook, but I wouldn't depend on that because Steven's terrible about getting back to people. Uh, that's true. Uh, Facebook is a sea of mess. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to the download. Welcome to this week's Better Podcasting Download. Well, Stargate Pioneer, since you completely confused me by suggesting this better podcasting download for multiple reasons, part of which is that I don't have an iOS device, I will turn it over to you to explain what's going on here. Well, I've been hearing for a while about this new app called Boss Jock Jr. And for those of you that have listened to Better Podcasting for a long time, you know that used to be this app called Boss Jock Studio that I used to do my soundboard and I could use to record if I'm on the road. There was one case that I recorded on an airplane using Boss Jock Studio on my iPad mini. However, that started to break in functionality and the creator of Boss Jock Studio created the next generation called Backpack Studio. And I'm currently using Backpack Studio for my soundboard. And if I need to record on the road, that's probably what I would use to record on the road. We had a whole episode that we detailed apps that you would use if you were mobile and some of those were recording apps 
as well, both on Android and iOS. So Boss Jock was one of those. It's now Backpack Studio. But we've been hearing a lot about this Boss Jock Jr. app. So I took a look at the Apple Store page for Boss Jock Jr. and took a comparison to Backpack Studio. And it looks like there's two different authors for them. Now, it might be the same company and two different people actually submitted. I don't know. But it looks like it's a completely different app. Now, the difference that I can tell with Boss Jock Jr. is that a lot of the functionality to it. Now, you still can use it to record. You can import soundboards from your music library and you can record something using the built in microphone. You can plug in a microphone using the USB to lightning connector on most devices. I realize there's multiple iOS devices. Some have USB-C now and stuff. But anyway, you can use a offboard microphone to do that sort of stuff. But then here's where the problem lies. You have to start paying in order to do stuff. And I didn't get far before I was stonewalled by that. The pay is not much. It's 99 cents a month. But when you're considering like the whole Backpack Studio app can be anywhere between 10 and $20, depending on when you get it, when it's on sale, when it's not on sale. And then you take a look at Boss Jock Jr. If you use Boss Jock Jr. for two years, you're paying more than you would for Backpack Studio and you're getting a lot of the functionality. Now, some of the additional functionality that has been touted with the latest release of Boss Jock Jr. is that you can do a social media share with like the video, you know, the, the audiograms or whatever you want to call them. And that is behind a paywall. So I wasn't able to actually do that because I just wasn't in place to actually go ahead and pay for the 99 cent subscription per month. So... I want to throw this out to our audience and see if our audience has used Boss Jock Jr. at all, because I'd be very interested to hear. Apparently, it's getting bigger and bigger because I hear more poor people talking about it, but I have personally not used it. I will see what I could do about breaking some time away. I'm going on vacation tomorrow, <laughs> so I mean, I'm not going to be in the mode to twiddle around with stuff unless I get completely bored with family. You know how that goes, but if our listeners could get back to us with what their experiences are, that would give us a heads up on what to actually look for in a couple of weeks. And just to address the confusion a little bit further here, um, where it really is really confusing about these is that if you actually go and you open up the website for Backpack Studio, which is backpackstudioapp.com, the title actually says formerly Boss Jock and also on their features page, the first little section of it says Backpack Studio is the successor to Boss Jock Studio created by the original developer and based upon years of refinement and user feedback. So are they just both using the same name, Boss Jock? Did, was there something that this person, Ed, who created Backpack Studio left Boss Jock and somehow got the rights? I have no idea, but it's important that I highlight this confusion because for a very long time, there was many different people talking about Boss Jock uh, Studio, which even included this show here, as he's mentioned it a few times. And from what we can tell, Boss Jock Studio evolved to Backpack Studio, as listed also on that website for BackpackStudioApp.com. But now we have this other subscription app called Boss Jock Jr., and it appears to be separate from Backpack Studio. So we're completely confused what's going on here as far as whether they're different, whether they're the same in two different models. Who knows? 
I just think it's important to highlight this little bit of confusion because there might be some people hearing old advice about Boss Jock Studio, which may not necessarily be Boss Jock Jr. We don't know. And maybe one day we'll find out. And we could probably email. <laughs> Without getting too technical, the actual layout of Boss Jock Jr. looks very familiar if you had been using Boss Jock or even Backpack Studio now lately. It's not exactly the same. There is a, a white mode versus the dark mode. I don't even know if you can change it to dark mode because I can't get into settings on it. But this is so, it, it's very unique because you touch the left side of the screen and then it brings up some menu options like record files, recordings. You can load your cart. You can look at the music and purchases. And I don't know what all is included in the purchases aside from the subscription. I don't know if there's additional purchases that you can make or not. And then a cancel button that you press and you get back to the actual recording screen. And that is the main screen. There's fader bars. There is a music sound cart fader bar on there. So it's very familiar, but different at the same time. It, it doesn't remind me of Boss Jock Studio at all. Uh, in terms of the exact layout, but it's similar. So if you like that layout, you might want to take a, a shot at if this is for you or not. You can download it for free. You can open up the recordings for free. And after that, it looks like anything else, like if you wanted to publish it, if you want, I don't think you can edit in here. But again, that could be part of the purchases and I just don't know. Ah, your explanation of that, it gives me a conspiracy theory and this is completely speculation. And if we look at that features again, Backpack Studio is the successor to Boss Jock Studio created by the original developer and based on years of refinement and user feedback. I wonder if the person, this Ed whoever, who creates Backpack Studio originally developed Boss Jock Studio for uh, this company that uh, whatever the Boss Jock is. And then maybe they all of a sudden wanted to, you know, evolve it. And maybe there was something that happened there. And so now they've created a new version of it using a different developer. And so Ed went on to his own and sort of took his code and went on. I wonder if that's sort of what it is, because if, you know, it doesn't look a lot like Backpack Studio, which you had said look kind of like Boss Jock Studio. There's some similarities. Maybe they're just kind of a fork in the road. That's my that's my guess. Yeah, maybe another benefit of Backpack Studio is it can link up to Dropbox, so you can have offline storage and you don't have to work through your device. I don't know if you can do that through Bostock Jr. So there are differences between the two, and you just need to be careful about if you're used to one and then you pick up the other one. Also, let's talk about the subscription model to software these days, because we've been seeing that more and more in podcasting, like Adobe Audition, for instance, this is a subscription model now versus you pay for the actual software and then it's yours for as long as you can run it on your machine and your OS, the apps might be going the same way. I mean, we saw apps when they first came out, you know, Stephen, I was a little bit of a late adopter, but when apps first came out, they were very, very expensive and it became very apparent that they were going to have to go down from that $25 level or the $50 level or the $100 level down towards like the 10, the five, the two, the $1 level. So this could be something that a app developer can start to use by saying, okay, well, I've got this out there. You don't have to pay me 20 bucks, but let's pay me 99 cents every month. So this could be the start of something 
that is more pervasive in the podcasting application worlds. Well, all I know is that if there has been some form of fork in the road from the original, uh, now I'm getting all screwed up, Boss Jock Studio, and if that is the case, and that's a big if, uh, that gives me hope that maybe one day we will see an Android version of one of these apps. <laughs> but let's go ahead and move on to the Better Podback, where maybe next week somebody will have commented on this Better Podcasting download, so we can talk about that next week. SP, I know you were very excited with this first one that we had in our Discord. And the reason why I know that you were excited about this was because you like people to suffer. Jonathan Bloom texted us on our Discord and he said, Did my first of three podcasts while sitting in a car. Had a mic plugged into my phone, which I think that's good. So cars can be sound boosts depending on how you use them and where you're speaking to because your voice can actually reflect off the windshield. But in general, they're meant to be sound deadening because normally a car is going to want to minimize the road noise. So I can see this. However, in the United States of America and Canada in some places over the past week and Europe, as I might actually double down on, (laughs) there's been a huge heat wave. So I don't know exactly where Jonathan is. I think he's in the United States of America. Anyway, there's been a huge heat wave. So I responded to him and I said, how hot was that? And he said, man, I was sweating. So no, the car wasn't on. He was just recording in the car. And wow, that is suffering for your art right there. He might have things going on. Like he might have family in, he might be living with other people that just weren't being quiet. I understand trying to find a quiet recording spot. But man, don't get heat stroke in your car this summer. I'm just going to take a moment here to apologize to all of a certain percentage of our listeners, because in the past we've talked about how we've had a lot of listeners who have started using various road products like they had the road Procaster, or the road uh, pro podcast. What's the the thing, the, the mixer thing, the road caster pro see their names mix all up. Uh, some people have even got the Rode Pod mic. There's been Rode Boom Arms, things like that. And here's the thing. SP right now said minimizing the road noise. And I think that that's offensive that you want anybody using a Rode product to just be quiet. Like, that's that's very offensive, SP. And I'm very disappointed in your comments. Well, <laughs> we've done tests of road stuff before, and you've done tests with the Roadcaster Pro, and we have some issues and concerns about the preamps, but I don't think we've had any issues with the microphone noise. Yeah, but you said you wanted to minimize the road noise when you were talking about that, and so I just, well, I just think that is very offensive that you said you wanted to minimize the road noise. For the audio listeners, SP's holding up a Rode Pod mic as we speak. The box. I haven't actually opened it. It just came in the mail today. And because I'm leaving on vacation tomorrow, probably is not going to happen. Sorry, guys. <laughs> moving on to the next. By the way, that was just a, a cheap road joke that I just made. Uh, moving on to the next Discord piece of feedback we got. It was actually a fun little conversation on Sunday morning. I woke up to this with Waffles. Waffles, I've had a lot of fun one-on-one conversations with him Um, just talking about various things and one of the things that we've also talked about in the discord is uh, our experience with pinecast and he 
messaged me saying Pinecast got rid of their pro plan and now every extra benefit is an add-on. So essentially what this means is like before there was the $5 a month option for Pinecast and then there was the option to go to $50 a month for pro. Those were your two options. And I mentioned before, that was one of the things that I had issues with. And they went and now they've broken it all out. So all the different add-on features that were offered in the in the pro are offered individually. Like I think there's some that are 10 bucks. I think there's some that are 15. And if you were to add them all back, it's going to essentially up to you back to the price that you were at before the $50 a month. But this allows people to pick and choose sort of what features they want, such as the better stats, or I think there's extra space. So it's really opened it up for people to pick and choose. And so he tweeted that. And then he actually ended up engaging with a comment uh, or with a conversation with Matt, the person behind Pinecast, who is in our Discord, and just a little bit about sort of the add-ons and some of the things that he was still hoping to see in the pro stats, because I guess for Waffles, the pro stats still don't give him everything that he wants. And Matt responded saying, let me see what can be done. I think there's some low-hanging fruit that wouldn't be too complicated to build. So I wanted to highlight this for a couple of reasons. Number one, we've talked before about how Pinecast is one that I'm I'm personally really wanting to see, see be yeah. a recommendation, a solid recommendation of mine. Yes, it's something that right now I do suggest to people with a bunch of asterisks on there. I'd love to be able to remove those asterisks. But this is an example on how uh, Pinecast is evolving a little bit, which was one of the concerns I mentioned previously. So that's nice to see. But further in the bigger picture, it's an example of how you never know what could possibly happen if you don't say it. And so if you've had a suggestion for somebody that you've been looking at uh, using or that you're using, make the suggestion because maybe it's something that they can work in. So we'll have to see if this comes out or when this comes out. Uh, obviously, with every change, there's a bunch of considerations that companies have to make. But it's just an example. Say something if, you, if you're hoping to see a feature. Damien the DM also messaged us on Discord, not message, but he actually posted in the Discord and he said, y'all mentioned the music bundle today. I haven't gotten to just listen as a listener yet, but in my last episode, I ran Nectar on each vocal track. I tried to use Ozone as a mastering plugin and couldn't get to play nice in the master bus and it felt unnecessary in each vocal bus, but I may give it a shot again later. Also decided to give RX-7 voice denoise a try on this episode as well. However, the bundle didn't quite negate my use for a couple of my Waves plugins. I also had a great opportunity to throw in DDLY as a special effect for one part, something I've never done before. So this is a continuing conversation with Damien with the bundle that was out for sale a couple of weeks ago. And he was describing how he was using it. And I think it's good to note that some plugins will work for you and some won't. And some you will have to learn how to use better and some you will never learn how to use. <laughs> and lastly, on Twitter, we had a poll and it said, while podcasting is good to ensure your microphone is clean for health reasons and visual aesthetics. As podcasters, I ensure my microphone is cleaned and the options were after each use, weekly, monthly, or wait, you clean your mic? 
I will go ahead and admit that uh, I did vote on this poll because SP posted it, and I will always vote on ones that SP posts. And uh, I said monthly. And unfortunately, only 9% of the respondents said monthly. We had luckily zero, well, not luckily, but I'll, I'll expand on that in a minute. Say 0% after each use. We had 5% say weekly, and 86% said, wait. You clean your mic. Now, before we get to that, I, I want to mention why I said luckily or was going to say luckily we had 0% say after each use. And the reason why I said that is because there is such a thing as overdoing something and doing it every single time is possibly going to damage it if you're not doing it right. And you're going to have it's it's more that you're going to be handling that microphone and that increases the likelihood that something's going to go wrong. You could drop it. There's a bunch of things that if you're lucky enough to have a static setup, I think that if you're doing it after each personally, I think that you're actually probably going to decrease the longevity of it. Now, is it never doing it? No, I think never. It's taking it the other extreme where the same thing sort of happens. But I think there's a sweet spot for cleaning your microphone. And uh, I think it's important that we highlight that cleaning your microphone needs to be done right because you're not just taking a bottle of Windex to it. No, we talked about microphone cleaning in the gear section of the my, my gear thing for 2018. At the end of every year, we do a gear episode. My gear episode, uh, end of 2018, we talked about the cleaning kit that I got. And yeah, I think you should clean it monthly or quarterly, at least if, especially if you have a static setup and you're using your microphone once or twice a week. Uh, but if, if you're sick and you're breathing into that and your spit is getting into it and everything, uh, odds are you're going to be growing some crap in there. So, yeah, I would definitely clean your mic. However, clean it right. Don't use products that are going to damage it and don't super saturate the foam, because if you super saturate the foam, then odds are the electronics, which are encased in the foam, are going to rust or degrade in some way. So I agree with Steven that yes, you can do it and damage the microphone, but not doing it, you're going to damage your health. So there's a happy medium in there. I also think it's important to remember as well that there is a proper process for cleaning your microphone. And the other thing that is important to remember is if you get a dust buildup, it will also affect your microphone. So a lot of people end up turning to canned air but you also have to be careful with that because if you do it wrong, you also can potentially damage the internal mic components if you put too much forced air on the actual microphone. So there's a proper proper thing you got to pay attention to and uh, be careful when cleaning. And I'm not going to give you recommendations on how to do it because I don't want that type of liability. I am going to say, though, be careful. So let me get this straight, Stephen. You use Canadian air to clean your electronics? Yes. Can no, no, no. I said canned air. It's actually American yeah. air that's been canned. So. Oh, it's not Canadian air and you just abbreviate it by saying canned air? No, nope. It's definitely American air. And if I, if I. <laughs> yep. Smells like America. Definitely. <laughs> America with popcorn and hot dogs and ice cream and <laughs> apple pie and. Turkey on Thanksgiving, the real Thanksgiving too, not that fake Thanksgiving October. 
Before we hop off of this and close up the show, let's talk about my sort of related topic that we've got here. And it's not actually to do with the microphone. It's talking about keeping in mind that your audio gear in general has some cleaning that needs to be done. And that includes listening devices such as your headphones or if you're using in-ear monitors like myself. Because a couple of weeks ago, SP, Chris Farrell, and I were about to record the official geek.com show. And I'm like, I don't hear out of my one channel. Oh, no. Did my IEMs die? Because I'll make it no secret that I, I run over the cord regularly, which is an extension cord. But, you know, that luckily it's an extension cord. But that doesn't matter. There could be other things that happen because of that. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I've owned these for a couple of years. I don't know what longevity on a cheap pair of IEMs. I have no idea. And so I ended up uh, going and I took the little headphones because they disconnect from the wire and I swapped them. And through that, I realized that it was only one that was defective. So I knew my cord was right, but I'm like, well, is the in-ear monitor itself actually damaged? And the long story short of this was that I talked about it before that the in-ear monitors, they have a foam piece in there. And for a long time, I should have replaced it. I think I've had the original ones on there. And so they do wear out. And yes, essentially the in-ear monitors needed a little bit of maintenance and they needed to be replaced because they're foam and like other foam things, it breaks down over time and whatnot. And simply going and buying for, I think it was 20 bucks Canadian, a 10 pack. So essentially five sets of the in-ear monitor tips for the sure in-ear monitors that I use. I was able to restore the sound back to how it was. And I want to also say that it sounded clearer than it has been. This is for a couple of reasons. Number one, obviously, they're going to be cleaner. If you haven't seen me on the visual side of things, I do have hair product in there. And that's going to always end up anywhere near with anything you put on your head, whether it's headphones or in your monitors, you're going to end up having that on there. Uh, and the thing is, because the foam is new again, it's created a better seal in my ears and the sound is like brand new. I couldn't believe how much better it sounded. And the advantage of that is I'm not driving them as much because I actually was able to turn down the volume that I had going to my in-ear monitors. So it's a related thing because, yes, obviously there's cleaning involved with in-ear monitors. Uh, with the in-ear monitors here, part of that cleaning process is occasionally replacing those tips. And it made a massive, massive difference. So I am so glad that I was able to do that. And by the way... Just so that I'm clear, the foam black sleeve tips that I bought for the in-ear monitors, I bought the sure ones. I could have saved myself five to ten dollars and got generic ones, but these are realistically for the amount I use it. They're going to be good for probably an annual use because I've used these for a couple of years and, and I've been stretching them. So why would I not spend the extra ten dollars to get the actual proper sure ones made no sense to me. Why would I want to get generic ones? I want that original sound. I know the quality. They've worked for me. So it was just a no brainer because like I said, I, I could have spent like probably 10 or 15 bucks. There was lots of third party options. So aside from the um, distastefulness of talking about cleaning out one's ear things, uh, we need to talk about the last thing that Stephen mentioned, which is if you use any sort of aftermarket like ear foams or ear cups for over the ear uh, headphones, it might change the sound. So you got to be very careful on what you get. If you go with a cheap replacement, you might actually change the timbre or how it sounds. 
or whatever into your ear. So just be careful. I've actually experienced this and going with OEM original is always the best to maintain the same sound. Now, if you want to play around with things and try to create a different sound, yeah, go ahead and try different things. It might cost you a little bit to get new uh, in-ear tips or headphone uh, cups, but in the end, you're hopefully going to go back to the OEMs, and that is where you're... Uh, the OEMs is factory original equipment bit by the way so yeah if you don't have oems you might change the sound i have to say that you recently went through this with your your headphones and the uh audio technica m30s was Fif- it? no it was the 50s it was the yeah. 50s right and i looked i did some research here too to see if i could track down those pads anywhere here and i i could not find original pads for them and the shirts they're readily available so like I would say that if somebody is thinking they're going to get many, many years out of the two, and let's say that all things were even, same price and everything, that would edge me towards recommending the Shures over the Audio-Technica just from the, the perspective of being able to get the original sound back. So I hope that uh, in the future we see them more readily available because I think there are some really good deals to be had on the M40s and the M50s. And for some people, they're going to prefer the sound. But, you know, that that's important to know because... If you do think that you want to be able to maintain them, like I said, replacing my in-ear monitor tips completely changes the sound back to new. It's the same thing with your headphones. As those foam pads break down and they get loose, it's going to affect the sound. And if you want to be able to restore that sound, yeah, you need to be keeping that in mind, whether or not you can get that replacement. That goes for all uh, headphones. It does. So anyway, Stephen... I want to say thank you to all of our listeners for interacting with us, both on Twitter and on Discord or sending us emails. We've gotten a lot of emails this past week as well. It was really great if you have a question to go ahead and just get a hold of us. I've said this before. It might take us a little while to get back to you. I think it took like two or three weeks to get back to somebody recently. I'm sorry about that, but it was just not in the schedule and eventually it was able to get back to the individual. We had a great conversation back and forth. I solved an issue that the individual was having and we continue to email back and forth to this day. So just be careful with contacting us because you know we're doing this as hobby, we're not being paid, but when we do get a chance to get back to you, we will get back to you and we love those conversations and thank you for reaching out to us. So on that note, for episode number 188 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying Happy Canada Day. Happy Fourth of July, y'all. America. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.